Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 321st episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting right across the world this week from our studios on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. This is where entertainment meets technology, smack in the middle of Silicon Beach. Now, in my 30-second daily read business newsletter and on this program, we love entrepreneurs and we love people who do good and help others. Well, it's that time of the year. It's Christmas. It's giving time. So it's certainly appropriate to promote giving in this, the last program before Christmas. And we're in the second part of Hanukkah. And Kwanzaa is approaching quickly next week. So this is the time to give. And six months ago, I gushed on this program over the incredible work that Amy Wright was doing for people with autism. And on Sunday night, last Sunday night, it was clear that Amy, Bitty, Bo, and the 40 disabled employees at the Wilmington, North Carolina shop have an army of supporters. Amy was named the 2017 CNN Hero of the Year for her efforts to advocate for disabled people. Amy will receive $100,000 to grow a cause. And wow, if anybody really deserves this honour, Amy certainly does. Amy and her husband are the proud parents of four children. The two youngest, Bitty and Bo, both having Down syndrome, which makes them feel like the luckiest people on the planet. As advocates for the value, inclusion and acceptance of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, called IDD, the Wrights have dedicated their lives to making the world a better place for their children and others that are living with IDD. The Wrights opened the original Bitty and Bowes coffee shop January 2016 in Wilmington, North Carolina in a 500-square-foot space run by 19 employees with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They opened up the shop so that their children, Biddy and Bo, would one day have a place to work. With over 70% of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities unemployed nationwide. And that's an atrocious figure, isn't it? 70% of people with intellectual and developmental abilities, disabilities, are unemployed nationwide. And there's no need for that. Anyway, Bose Coffee created a path for people with IDD to become more valued, more accepted, and included in every community. In July 2016, started off as Bo's Coffee Shop, but in July it was renamed Biddy and Bo's Coffee Shop because Bo's 12th birthday wish 
was to have his little sister's name put up in lights too. And they moved to a 5,000 square foot building that now serves as both a local coffee house and national headquarters. And they've got 40 employees, all of whom have a disability, with the exception of just two managers. And they've opened up a second outpost in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, Biddy and Bowes is like any other coffee shop. There's the smell of brewing coffee, the pastry case of croissants and muffins, a hand pe- handful of people sitting at tables in front of steaming cups. Yet this is someplace different. There's Jesse, the bubbly cashier, who has cerebral palsy and wears a flower crown every day. And she only takes a break from chatting to ring up a customer's coffee orders. There's Matt Dean, who has autism and is bent on selling in Bitty and Bo's totes to everybody who walks in the door. You know, there's a crushing need for employment opportunities among people who have disabilities. In 2015, only 17.5% of people with a disability were employed. And when the rights opened Biddy and Bowes, they were absolutely flooded with applications. And they believe the first step to solving that problem is changing the way that people with disabilities are viewed. And they see that happening every single day at Biddy and Bowes. You watch customers' faces and you see this progression they go through. And when people leave, they leave changed. Customers have formed friendships with some of the employees and have enjoyed watching their personalities grow. They know you. You suddenly know them to see them open up from kind of hugging the wall to suddenly coming out chatting and sticking their hands up for high fives. When people give each other a chance, barriers come crumbling down. The whole point is just to show people who come in that people with intellectual and developmental disabilities can do a hell of a lot more than most people think they can. Amy, winner of the CNN Hero of the Year, You are an inspiration to all of us, and we here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show congratulate you very sincerely. Wonderful job. Now, do you get my 30-second read business newsletter? I think we should change it to daily one-minute business newsletter. It's um, hard to put all the relevant information in 30 seconds. But we now have about 1.7 million daily subscribers over that, actually. And it takes less than a minute. And every day we tackle a different, different subjects. We talk about advances in medicine. We talk about new apps, new technology, subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, Ethereum, Bitcoin. And it's free. And the information is invaluable. It's very gratifying to me to see the tremendous response we get. Some of it's good, some of it's not, 
Some people tell me I'm a genius. Others tell me that I don't have the faintest idea what I'm talking about, but that's all right. And uh, often people write detailed responses, which, if they make sense, we publish. So, you know, it's amazing the number of com- companies that enrol all of their senior staff as an education tool. And uh, I really appreciate it. So if you don't get my newsletter, it's free. There's no obligation. You can unsubscribe any time you want and we do not under any circumstances give your details out to anyone. So if you don't get it, go to my website, Bob Pritchard, P-R-I-T-C-H-A-R-D.com and enroll. You won't regret it. Now, as I mentioned earlier in, in my daily newsletter and on this program, we love people who give back, particularly our young people. So here's another great giving story. A nine-year-old boy from Ohio gave up his Christmas wish of an Xbox One in order to help homeless people. He ended up getting more than what he gave up as a local Microsoft store surprised him with a present he wouldn't forget. Now, Micah Fry... The biggest item on his Christmas list was an Xbox One. However, as the weather in Ohio got colder and colder and the holidays arrived, he felt for people without homes that were wandering around in the cold. That's when he decided that he wanted to give them blankets. The boy was so full of compassion for the homeless people that he decided to give up on his wish of an Xbox One gaming console and use the money his parents would have used on it to buy blankets for the needy. Now, Micah's inspiring compassion, it's rooted in his own experience. About three years ago, Micah, along with his parents, had to spend several weeks at an emergency shelter after the family encountered some financial problems and lost their home. So this is why he felt such a great need to help the homeless, because he remembers what it was like to lose his home at a very young age. He knew what it was like not to have a blanket at night and have to give it back when he did get one. So the first thing he wanted to do is give the homeless a blanket that they could actually keep With the $300 gaming console that Mika gave up, the family was able to provide over 60 blankets for homeless people with the help of local shelter access program. When the local Microsoft store heard about what Mika did, they invited him and his family to the store at a mall in Beechwood, Ohio, to hand him a surprise. Micah found Santa Claus waiting to give him two bags of gifts, one of which included a brand new Xbox One. That's terrific work, Micah. Thank you very much for being so, just so compassionate at nine years old. And also, congratulations have got to go out to Microsoft 
It's a great gesture, and that is what giving and the holidays is all about. So while we're speaking of Microsoft, they've set up an internal AI university in a bid to help it overcome the skills shortage in the booming field of artificial intelligence. Microsoft AI University is one of several schemes that Microsoft's implemented to address the lack of talent in the field of AI, where there's fierce competition between the tech firms to hire the absolute best people. AI University is an internal education program so that people who are incredibly smart and capable but have been trained in a different discipline can quickly learn about machine learning both in a foundational sense but also in a practical sense of how to use it. When it comes to AI talent, Microsoft is competing with the likes of Amazon and Apple who also have research offices as well as DeepMind, which is owned by Google and Facebook and Twitter and many others. They're all after AI specialists. And the global battle for talent is raging because of the potential that AI breakthroughs that bright minds stand to make in the next few years. And this is all due to the advances in com computation power and the availability of vast data sets. AI is now at the core of almost all of the big tech companies' major products. If you think of Apple's iPhone or Amazon Echo or Microsoft Surface and even fairly small advances in areas like speech recognition and image search, they all have a huge impact on the profits of tech companies. So in a bid to attract the most capable people, the multi-billion dollar tech giants are offering annual salaries in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And some people heading AI-focused teams at these companies are earning over a million dollars a year. Now that's almost sports star income, isn't it? So the AI-focused people in these big firms are earning over a million bucks a year. So now that many of you are at a time when you're thinking about the courses that you're going to do at college or what follow-up degrees you might do, you'd be very wise to consider a future in AI. It is the hot subject for the future. My guest today is Sebastian Terry, who I saw speak to a full house of entrepreneurs who heard absolutely everything. When he walked out and he st on the stage, he had bare feet and he had a really broad Australian accent. I must admit, being Australian and looking at this guy walking on the stage with bare feet, I thought, uh-oh, this guy is a nutcase. But he absolutely brought the house down and gave everyone in the room a hell of a lot to think about and to cry about. There were tears dripping from eyes all over the room. 
because Sebastian spends his time travelling the world, connecting strangers to help each other. And some of his achievements are just extraordinary. I'll be back with my friend Sebastian Terry after this short break on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, coming to you worldwide from Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Where over the past five years, five and a half years, we've given you insights into the lives of somewhere around 350 of the world's most interesting people. We've spoken about what it is they do and the challenges that they've overcome. And we, what we've tried to do is work out what it is that makes them tick. Because, you know, it's extremely rare to find an extraordinary personality or unique talent, and even more difficult to create a successful business. So we get them all on this program, and uh, we've got another gem today. And we all need to receive advice and assistance from those entrepreneurs who have achieved success because, as we know, somewhere around 95% of all businesses fail, and that's a hell of a lot. And uh, so we need to learn off everyone that has been before us and has been successful because we don't have time to make all those mistakes all over again. Now, I saw this guy, Sebastian Terry, speak the other day to a full house of entrepreneurs who have absolutely heard it all before. They've seen every great speaker on the planet. And when he walked out of the stage with his bare feet and his broad Australian accent, I thought, oh, shit, this guy's a nutter. But he absolutely brought the house down and gave everybody in the room a hell of a lot to think about. And, you know, he even brought a tear to my eye. This guy is really great and he's a phenomenal presenter besides the bare feet if you need somebody at your conference you're listening to this and you think I've done all those other speakers I've had the Pritchards coming out my ass you know I've done all them so what I want is somebody who's different who can really inspire people well this guy's your guy just have a listen through this interview um, Sebastian's presentation it's guaranteed to make you laugh and cry 
and laugh, <laughs> and he, re- he will really motivate you. His 100 Things presentation is not like anything I'd ever seen before, and he will re-engage, connect, and inspire you to roll up your sleeves and get out there and do some good for the world. He actually makes a huge amount of sense and now does enormous good for a very substantial number of people. He's known worldwide for pursuing an incredible list of 100 things that he wants to achieve before he dies. That's not so special because everybody's got a bucket list of some sort. But surprisingly, his story's not about a bucket list. It's about something that's far more reaching than that, and it's about helping other people. And uh, sure, do your own thing along the way, but use the things that you can do to assist people that may need some assistance in that assistance in that area. Sebastian's got a pretty curious mind. Some would say <laughs> really fucking curious. But <laughs> on the death of a close friend, Sebastian experienced a moment in his life where he asked himself a very simple question. Am I happy? Now, how many of us could actually look in the mirror and say, I'm really happy with my life. I'm doing all the things I want to do. And when Sebastian looked in the mirror, his answer was no. And so he decided to make this list of 100 things that he'd always wanted to achieve. Now, following his heart, absolutely penniless, and but nothing but a list and a great personality and a, and a great way of delivery. But his incredible story has grown from an entertaining tale of adventure into a global philanthropic movement that engages a whole tribe and growing rapidly of hundreds of thousands of people from all corners of the world. And uh, this army of supporters do not just set meaningful goals, but they actually go out and achieve them, all while helping others do the same thing. He spends his time travelling the world, connecting strangers. He then created a best-selling book, 100 Things, the Discovery Channel documentary, 100 Things to Do Before You. He did all this with bare feet. (laughs) <laughs> and most recently, US-based reality TV show, 100 Things, where he travels the world helping complete strangers achieve their dreams. So to top it all off, he's a thoughtful and he's a really good guy. Sebastian, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard in 63 <laughs> countries around the world. Wow, that's incredible. Well, what an intro. That's that's a lot of yeah. pressure. Time 63. You're pretty, you're pretty good. Um Thank you, mate. It's very nice to meet you too the other day. <laughs> so let's begin by talking about some of the wacky things he's done. So we'll just start there. Like um, he decided to marry a total stranger in Las Vegas. So Yeah, that's true. That's a weird thing to think of. How did all that happen? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think when you're talking about lists and, and just coming up with goals, if, if list is too too kind of cheesy for you, I mean, we're all very different, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relative concept. So I think that... You know, whereas for one person, there might be quirky, outlandish things. Uh, you know, for someone else, it's, they're, they're more meaningful or it could be a blend, of course. So when I first sat down and put my list together, I guess at that point in my life, I, I really wanted to experience, um, I just want to experience the world. I was very sheltered. As you mentioned, I wasn't particularly happy. I, I wasn't living on purpose. I didn't know who I was. So I just put together a list of things that I thought would just get me out of my comfort zone in a number of ways. Yeah. And yes, uh, one of the first things I wrote down was, marry a stranger in Las Vegas because, um, as I saw it, it's, it's perfectly legal. So I don't know if there's anything too wrong with it. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I just think 
well, why not? What an experience. That's just so bizarre. And, and, you know, I just wanted to experience different bits and pieces. So on the list it went. Um, and, of course, I flew to Las Vegas by myself um, <laughs> with my one intention to find someone willing to marry me. It's a long story, but, you know, the, the short version is I, uh, I met a, a stripper mud wrestling. Her name was Crystal. <laughs> uh, I proposed to Crystal. Uh, she said yes, thankfully. And uh, the next day, I went and found a wedding drive-through chapel called the Say I Do Wedding Drive-Through, and uh, I had about thirty people turn up to this wedding as part of the, the wedding party, and I didn't know any of them. They just heard what I was doing. Um, but uh, as, I, as I mentioned to you the other day, um, yeah, Crystal, the bride to be, didn't turn up. So unfortunately, I was left kind of but red. There you go, a stripper with taste. I mean, <laughs> who the hell would have thought, right? I know, I know. So I was, you know, it was, it was, it was quite embarrassing if I'm honest. I was on this Hummer. I had all these people. I had an Elvis impersonator, and I, and I thought, well, I'm gonna have to create an opportunity here. So I looked down at the crowd and I just said, look, is there someone else who'd like to marry me, please? I think I said it with desperation, and uh, and of course there was one person. Her name was Shivali. She was the receptionist at my hostel, and uh, she had always been looking to marry someone for the day too, and she was she was waiting for the right person. And that was me. So she hopped on top of the Hummer and uh, we got married. Elvis was great. And, uh, and, and there you go. We, we shared a kiss. That was the first time and last time we ever touched. And, uh, you know, that was, that was uh, a tick from the list, my first one. See, I, I, find this, I, I find this one really interesting because I've been married six times. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And one of those times was yeah. in Vegas at the Elvis Presley Chapel. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm an old hand at this shit. I, <laughs> I've got this stuff worked right out. Well, you must be getting good now. <laughs> yeah. Now, I thought that was a pretty good story until I heard about the <laughs> when you asked a total stranger in Canada if you could deliver her baby or put <laughs> to the delivery of the baby. Now, most people, having done that as well, most people would think that that's kind of weird and it's hard to think of anybody who would well I find it difficult to find think of anybody who would let you sort of stand there in the in the <laughs> receiving position if you like yeah. uh, I just find that kind of weird so that's a good story just tell us a bit about that well I guess that you know yeah just just so we're clear the reason I wanted to do it was I you know I I'd never been, I'd never seen a baby being delivered. And I was fascinated by the idea of, you know, a human taking its first breath on earth. I just think that's an unbelievable, um, you know, so close to a miracle almost. So I thought, yeah. well, I, I just want to be part of that. I don't remember the time I was born, so I needed to do it again. And, um, and on the list it went. So it was less, I, I asked someone though, um, I just put it on my list and waited for someone to get in touch with me. And of course it happened. And there was a, a, a girl called Tara from um, Canada. And she said, look, I've been following your list online. I know you want to deliver a baby. If you come to Canada, you can help me deliver. I'm, I'm, I'm due. So I, you know, it was quite a bizarre email to read. But I said, yeah, no worries. So I flew to Canada to her hometown of Regina, which I think is just brilliant. <laughs> and, um, capital Saskatchewan. And, yeah. uh, and I met this girl. And she was, you know, of course, very generous, very, very open. Um, very lovely, and we spoke every day for two and a half weeks. And and, and as you you might guess, it didn't work out. Um, she had an emergency <laughs> delivery, uh, and the baby was healthy, which of course is the only you know, really important thing. Sure. But uh, I was kind of left in this oddly named town with no money. I just used my credit card to fly over, and uh, and yeah, I didn't have a baby to deliver. So I, well, what actually happened was that the Canadian media had followed my story. So. You know, I was suddenly in Canada for a two and a half week period, a, a story 
Um, there was there was nothing else going on in the country, I guess. So I, I, I was all over the newspapers, and I was doing radio, and I was doing breakfast TV. And one of the breakfast TV shows, uh, they called me up and they said, can we do an interview with you the, you know, tomorrow morning? And I reluctantly said yes, because I was quite embarrassed, to be honest, because I hadn't done what I wanted to do. And um, the long and the short of it is, I was being interviewed the next morning on the TV. The, the male anchor on the show called um, Seamus, um, he, he, I don't know, he didn't really like me too much, I don't think. And he basically embarrassed me. He started the questioning with, you must feel so stupid. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I can't, why, why is he being like this? And at the end, he in my opinion, spitefully said, um, so now you failed, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I thought, I can't, you know, I can't believe he's being like this, and, but I'm a big believer that you can use any situation to create an opportunity. And I Absolutely. looked at the barrel of the camera and I said, uh, look, for anyone out there who's watching, um, who's five centimeters dilated or more, please <laughs> know. And, uh, you know, would you believe that I got about 10 emails from people within the next 20 minutes and uh, I delivered someone's baby, a complete stranger, less than 24 hours afterwards. And it goes down as one of the most beautiful, unbelievable, surreal experiences of my life. And, and you know, before you ask, yes, I was in tears. It was, I mean, it was really, really really powerful and there's I mean it, it's funny there's you know I, I married a stranger I delivered a baby and there's a lot of other things I've done but you know it, it really taken on another life of its own you know um, yeah, sure. I could sit here and tell you I've done this and I've done this and I've done this but as, as you know it's not just about that anymore no so just one, one more story the Mauritian national uh, rugby team gets yeah. me because you don't sound like somebody from Mauritius and uh you know, yeah. really look like somebody from Mauritius. So, how the hell did you talk your way onto the into the national rugby team? Well, uh, good good question. Um, I don't look Mauritian. No, what what it is on my list? I wanted to represent a country or something. I wanted to sing the national anthem of a country <laughs> on the sporting field, and and I'm average at everything, which makes it tricky. So that was in there lies the challenge. But my mum is from Mauritius, so Mauritius is oh, this okay. outlying island yep. of Africa. Yep. And uh, anyway, yeah, I applied for a passport. Um, they sent it to me. They spelt my name wrong even, which is just <laughs> hilarious. And I flew to Mauritius trying to find a sport that they were so bad at that it made me the best. Um, so I actually try. I don't talk about this so often. It's very funny. I tried out for the Mauritian Patonk team, which is kind of like a uh, – it's like bocce on the beach. You know, you yeah, see yeah, the yeah. old end with the – yeah. So it's bocce, essentially. Um, and uh, I, I just got humiliated. It's a lot harder than I thought. Um, <laughs> I, I Googled the Mauritian Olympic Committee. They're a tropical island nation. And uh, and I, I organized a meeting with them. And they invited me in. And I sat down with all these men in suits. And, uh, you know, as you say, I, I, don't, I don't wear shoes. I'm not wearing shoes now. And I turned up like this. And um, they said, what can, we, what can we do you for? And I said, well... I've got a proposition for you, and um, and I want to I want to become the Mauritian, the first winter winter uh, Olympian for Mauritius. And they said, okay, well we don't have a winter Olympian um, yet, so yeah. what do you do? And then I said, oh, I don't do anything. I just think in concept this could work. And they they laughed me out of the office. And then yes, so rugby, I ended up playing. I played rugby when I was a kid. I haven't played in about thirteen years, and uh, I bought a pair of rugby boots. I turned up to their national tryouts. And I mean, it, trust me, if I could have talked my way into the team, I would have. But no, they they didn't know who I was, um, which is great. And I had to, you know, get in there via a lot of hard work over a six week period. And I made the team. I made the Mauritian rugby team. So not only did I make it, though, Bob, we got flown to Botswana to play in the African um, Championships, um, which we won. We won the championship. So I got three test caps. Um, 
uh, we played a game against Zambia, a game against Swaziland. We won 136 nil, which is the third highest ever international rugby score. Uh, anyway, it was funny, and I had to learn a new national anthem. Uh, I'll bet you that you, uh, you know, I'm I'm Australian. I haven't lived there for thirty odd years, but I'm Australian. I could not sing the Australian national anthem. I have no idea of the words, and I'll bet you don't either. No, what do you mean? We can do this together. No, we can't. Australians, <laughs> all let us. Re- no, it doesn't mean really that. I know that much. That much I know. It's after that that I get to it. <laughs> um, what's been your most profound moment? The baby birth or something else lurking out there? That do you know? It's funny. <laughs> As I said, I think you know when I first started, I you know I hoped to reach a sense of you know happiness or or. I wanted to feel like I was living on purpose. And so, you know, as much as there are these crazy things, it's always the, the you know, the underneath kind of message or story. Yep. I think baby birth was an interesting one because it was the first time I realized that the world was just a lot bigger than me. I wasn't special. I was doing things on my list because people are good. Yeah. And people want to connect with other people. I think that's why we're here fundamentally. And, you know, I'd been invited into the most intimate moment a couple could have. Why? And I asked them, why? And they said, because you're passionate. And I think, for me, it showcases that passion inspires passion. I think that when you see someone who is very genuine and authentically trying to search for something that they are passionate about, I think the yep. world sort of turns up to help. And, and I found that with, with everything I've been doing. I've been helped in so many ways. I've been offered to deliver plenty of babies, which I have to say no to now. I get offered all these opportunities. I get offered lots of money, which I say no to as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that was a, a bit of a profound moment for me. Um, you know, I, I got offered a blank check from a very wealthy guy in New York at one point. Um, he heard about me. I was midway through doing a week of silence, which is on my list, number 72. And uh, I, I, essentially, I bumped into a mate of mine during this week of silence in the middle of New York. By coincidence, I couldn't talk to him, which was funny in itself. <laughs> he said, no worries. Let's go and let's go and uh, I want to introduce you to my mate. So we went into this pub and one of his mates happened to be the owner of the boat that my friend raced on. And he was quite curious about this silent Australian at the end of the table. So I wrote down my website and I uh, gave it to him. And a week later when I could talk, he got in touch and essentially said, I really enjoy what you do. I'm jealous. I, <clears throat> I have materialistically everything, but I don't have what you have, which is the ability to follow your passions and throw everything at you know what, what you desire. Um, so he said, I'm going to offer you an opportunity. And uh, and I thought at first he was going to offer me his boat because he, he was a sailor. Cause I, and I thought, well, he's read my list. He knows number 40 is sail across the, an ocean. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that. Um, he actually offered me a blank check and he said, how much money do you need? I'm going to pay for you to tick off everything from your list. And that was quite an interesting moment. So again, it reinforces, well, people are good. He wanted to connect with me because I'm passionate about what I was doing. He, me- he meant it completely selflessly. Um, but then the, the more I thought about it, the, the more I realized that this journey isn't really about what I do right. or how many ticks this is all about. I, I think it's more so about uncovering who I am and then I'm able to try and be me. So when you, when you started out, it was fell altruistic. You were out there, well, I guess you were out there to do things for you initially, weren't you? Yeah. So how far through your list of 100 things did you get? And at what point did you go, aha, this isn't about me. This is a much bigger picture. Yeah, well, I mean, well, at that point, by the way, I said no to the blank check and I carried on with no money. I, I should make that a point. But, um, yeah, I, number 26 on my list was to, to, to help a stranger. I've always wanted to help a stranger. And, and as my journey sort of accidentally got popular, you know, in the mainstream in Australia, you know, certainly uh, I was all over the TV and, you know, I got offered to write books and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I started to hear from a lot of people who needed help. 
with their items, but not just, you know, I want to go to Paris. It was more so the reason behind it. I want to go to Paris because of something that was very meaningful or, you know, and I found out there were a lot of people out there who were lonely. There were a lot of people who were sick, a lot of people who were old or remote or whatever it was. And the first guy who ever contacted me, his name was Mark and he was a able-bodied guy um, traveling through Greece years prior and he got bitten by a tick and contracted Lyme disease. Jeez. And within, I think it was six months, he went from being fully able-bodied into a quadriplegic. He can't talk. He needs a ventilator to sleep at night, a 24-hour care team. I mean, it's, tra- it's, it's there's no way of sugarcoating it. It's so yeah. sad. Yeah. And Mark basically said, I've seen your TV. I want to create a list. Uh, well, I've created a list. Um, would you come and shave my head? So I ended up shaving Mark's head, which is an odd thing. So I went down to Melbourne, you know, in Australia, and I shaved this stranger's head. And I got to learn more about Mark. And as I was shaving his head, I said, look, is there anything else I can do for you? And he said via his translator, well, I've always wanted to complete a half marathon. And I said, well, you know, and I'm quite slow on the uptake. And I looked at him and I said, well, how, how on earth do I help you do that? And he just looked at me and it was the first thing I ever heard him say. And he said, uh, push me. And it was so simple. And it, and it is funny, right? Yeah. But it's, I think it's so powerful, you know, the idea that he hadn't done this before because no one had offered to push him. And I said, why has no one offered? And he, he said, well, I only just came up with my list. Which I think is another message. It's really important to put down our goals on paper because I think you yeah. then you, you, you pull the trigger on them. So anyway, um, I'd never run 21 kilometers in my life. I never wanted to, um, but I suddenly felt that I needed to. And I, you know, if, if, if I'm being completely honest, it was the most important thing to me. Like instantly, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I signed us both up for the Melbourne Half Marathon, and I ended up pushing Mark in his wheelchair. And it was the greatest thing I've ever done. I, everyone knows me for doing all these outrageous things, but the best thing I've ever done was help somebody else out. And I think, I mean, I, I kind of use this analogy. I, 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 I'm working out that when you're on a plane and they'll say, in case of an emergency, oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling. Please yeah. put yours on first before helping others. I, I think it's so true to life. I think that we, you have to look after yourself. You have to be living on purpose. You have to be pursuing who you are on a, on a deeper level. And I think when you get closer to finding that, you can then help other people do the same. And you know, the, 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 again, another analogy is you can't fill anyone else's cup of water in, until you've got water in your own cup. So yeah. Mark was a turning point for me. I'd been helping myself. Mark was the first person who, who asked me for help. And I realized at that point that I was actually on a really good good plane myself and I was ready to help others. And Mark was the first. And from that moment, I haven't stopped helping people. And that's been the most profound moment because it's completely changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah, it, it, it's so satisfying. I know I've got... Um, um, an ex-business partner or a former business partner staying with him at the moment, a woman that um, 20 years ago, we set the world on fire. We went around the world. We did all sorts of incredible promotions and worked for all the big companies and made a shed load of money and did a lot of things. And then she became very ill and uh, hasn't been able to work for a few years. And she's now blind and got um, feet missing on both legs. And uh, just having her here and being able to take, take her all over, LA where she used to live a long time ago and it just gives you such an enormous feeling of satisfaction and yep. uh, and I think you're right I, we were talking last night and um, I was saying if I had my whole life over again I wouldn't do anything different because I've been so blessed with so much stuff that's fantastic yeah you get the odd hiccup but overall 99% of my life's been great so giving back to somebody else becomes really gratifying and particularly if you've been, in, like I have in my life, pretty selfish sort of a bastard, um, <laughs> then, you know, it, it, it's enormous. 
So how has this changed you? Well, I think I've realized, um, I think we're all here to connect. You know, I, I think that's yeah. just why we're here. I think innately we all have this ability and desire to help other people. Um, but the problem is we don't always find the avenue to do so. What, what's happened is that I now, I now dedicate my life to helping people. Got turned into a, a show last year in the US. And, and, but the, the, the problem was that I, I couldn't help everyone. You know, if, yeah. I guess many people ask me for help. Um, but what's happened is that I have this whole community of people following me now and they are now offering to help me help people. So I've been connecting complete strangers to help each other with meaningful goals and, and that's sort of what I'm up to now. It's kind of what I'm, why I'm here in America at the moment. I'm, I'm developing a, a technology that's going to enable that to happen. Fantastic um, idea. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, I'm so passionate about it. I've literally just flown to America with no plan, just hoping to bump into the right people to help me, you know, make it happen. And it seems in a three-week period, very quickly, a lot of people have come around it, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I think it's all based on the idea that, yeah, we all need to be helping. We all need to be connecting with other people. And, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned being a selfish bastard. But I think being a selfish bastard is really important at one point, as long as it, it morphs. And I think, yeah. you know, the benefit to being selfish is you can work out who you are, hopefully, um, and maybe selfish isn't quite the right word, but I think in doing so, in being able to identify who you are and so you can act in the you know, the, the most appropriate way in line with what you stand for, your values, your principles, I think you can then open it up and help other people. So, you know, I'm finding this this overwhelming wave of support because it seems that everyone wants to help, but we don't know how. And as charity is great, you know, I'm very proud to be, a, you know, the Australian ambassador for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we're missing the peer-to-peer -peer help. So, you know, we walk past people in the street without knowing that they need help. But we all do in some way, shape or form. So I think my kind of purpose is this idea of being able to shine a light, A, onto, onto people who do deserve a helping hand and, and B, provide a platform for people to be able to exercise their philanthropic arm. Because, you know, some people I've even heard people say, well, it's very selfish you wanting to help because you get something out of it too. And I look at them and I say, yeah, I, yes, I do. Is there a problem with that? You know, every, it's a win-win. Yeah. Help somebody who needs help and you yourself feel great for it and, and vice versa. And the ripple effect is that person can then go on and help somebody else out. And it's great. I've just realized my, my screen's frozen. Have I been looking like that for a while? Um, I don't know. I can't see you. Um, oh, but that's all right. I, I, I know I, you're there, but that's all right. We'll, we'll work around it. Um, the... Um, the United States is a fantastic place for people helping people. Um, you know, I've lived here 30 years, but I've, I've been to, I don't know, 70 odd countries around the world. And I think this country, more people want to help more people. You sit there and watch the news and you see the things the police do for, for kids and the things fire do and all sorts of thing, amazing things that happen here that I haven't seen that level of generosity from a community anywhere else in the world really have you um I, I find yeah i find america incredible in terms of like the, the culture of people wanting to help each other out from a uh you know like you have come I'm, I'm here in venice in la at the moment and right. anyone i talk to anyone i talk to they're like right i need to put you in touch with this person because they're gonna be able to help you do this i need to connect you with this person hey my own business can help you do this and so the culture the the, the kind of norm the default here is to help everyone yes it's, it's brilliant the collaboration it's super inclusive um, a, a, any ideas, an idea that people want to talk about. And I think it's, it's great in that sense. And I, I do find it, you know, I think Australia is a fantastic place. I love it. You love it. Everyone loves it. Um, but I do find, yeah, in America, there's something slightly different, um, slightly more supportive. And, uh, you know, and I think that's one reason why I'm just sort of um, having a little sticky beak over, over in this neck of the woods to see if anything's going to happen. And, you know, at the event where we met, Bob, 
you know, I was, as you know, I, and you were one of them. Um, so many people came up afterwards and, and said, let, let, let's help out um, in some way, shape or form. So it looks yep. as though I've got, you know, uh, a developer on board to help me for free, which is incredible. And then I've got people like yourself saying, hey, I, I love your message. I'd love to share it with more people. And, and again, I'm so appreciative for that. So, yeah, the, I mean, ultimately, as I said before, the world's full of good people. Um, we all want to be good. And if we're not being good, it's because we haven't been given an opportunity yet, I don't think. So um, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, everyone's got a best mate. Yep. Everyone in the world has a best mate. So essentially, the world is full of best mates. So that's a good place to be in. Yeah, it's a lot of assholes too, I've got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got – are you getting people from all over the world or is it – are there some countries that are more more wanting to help other people than others? So well, the, the helping part in terms of – I mean, the, the helping part is something I'm, I'm more exploring now. Um, I've been helping right. people for, for years and years and years. Um, but it's wherever my story goes, people want to help. So, you know, obviously my story is very loud in Australia. A lot of people know it. Yeah. Um, and so I get lots of people asking for help and lots of people wanting to help. Um, there's, there seems to be a, a big push now in the US. My, my show came out last year on Go90, which is a Verizon product. It's called 100 right. Things. And, and from that, there's a, you know, a, a whole new batch of people who want to help um, me help people. Uh, there's an ESPN documentary coming out May 7th, I think it is, uh, right. on SportsCenter about me helping people, which is so bizarre and I'm so thankful for it, but it happened out of the blue. So I think, you know, in America yet, yeah, there's a big, big wave happening now and it's, it's about to get bigger and bigger and bigger and I want to explore that. Sure. Um, you know, I, it's wherever the message goes. I did a documentary a few years ago with Discovery Channel and that went through all of Asia, went through all of Europe and so there were lots of people there too. So I find, I'm, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I get asked to speak and share my message on stage around the world yep. and in those rooms everyone wants to help you know if I uh, and, and I feel it's such an amazing opportunity to, to engage and almost activate that philanthropic switch which everyone has sure so um, yeah the people who haven't heard of me um, but, and by the way there are plenty there's lots more people who haven't heard of me than have um, you know I'd like to think that if I was to had an opportunity to spread the message further or share this app at one point yeah they'd be on, on board too yeah yeah, I think that's true. So what's next for Sebastian Terry? Where do you go from here? Well, I don't know. There's never been a plan. Um, you know, this is all accidental, uh, but I love it. It's, it's all I do. I took a, a, I made a decision eight years ago to step away from, you know, this, this normal way of living that, that was, you know, prescribed to me, yeah. and, and I haven't stopped since. So, I mean, I, all my energy is going into this app. I, I think it has the, the potential to change the way that we interact with each other fundamentally. Um, and past that, I don't know, my, my head's just in it at the moment and I'm just going crazy trying to make it work. I, I think, you know, the ideal situation that it becomes, you know, just a household app that people use to connect with each other because there's no, there's no, um, you know, you can do anything on the phone nowadays. You can pick it up and you can find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or buy a pizza, get a flight, get, you know, anything. Yep. But you can't go on there and ask for help and you can't go on there and find somebody, an individual who needs help. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that would just become an, a, a normal, a norm, and so this thing is just used everywhere, and it makes the world. If it works, it makes the world a better place. It's as simple as yeah. that. If it doesn't work, I'd like to think it was just because it's not needed, but I feel that it is. Oh, there's no question that it's needed, and, and I think the great thing about it is that no matter who you are, or how much success you've had, or how much talent you've got, or how much personality you've got, we all have problems. We all have needs. We all have blanks that we need to fix and and we all have fears that we need to overcome and uh, so everybody can really help everybody I mean there's there's not two groups of people one that are the helpers and one that yeah need help I mean everybody needs help and the yeah. people that 
are possibly less able than others can do a hell of a lot to help those of us who are very able. Absolutely. And it's, it's non-monetary. I mean, often I get a lot of phone calls from people who are lonely, you know, and they just want to talk. So, biggest, yeah, you, anyone yeah. can do that. Biggest business in the world. The What's lon- that? The lonely business. Okay. More people in this world lonely. Um, I was marketing director for Kerry Packer, and uh, the, we did a big study, and the one thing that came across really strongly was the biggest more people are lonely than have share anything else. People wow. are desperate, and I reckon that today they're probably more lonely because they're relying on the phone. Yeah. And well, that's the irony, isn't it? You got the social contact. Yeah. Yeah, you got a million ways to connect now: WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, all the other ones. Yeah, people are feeling more and more disengaged and more yeah. and more isolated. And I mean, it's uh, there's obviously something happening that's you know that's. Uh, that's not healthy for us, you know, as, as, as a community, as, as a culture. I mean, I, you know, you, you look at like these advancements in technology and I mean, I'm pretty, you know, technology unsavvy. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you look at all these advancements and they're talking about having glasses where, you know, if, um, I don't even know, I, I don't even know what the, the terms are, AI or something. And like, yeah. well, AI, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, I mean, I guess there are practical implications. Certainly I've heard some amazing ones, but just socially, like you don't want to work. What about a family sat around a dinner table wearing glasses, not engaging <laughs> with each other? I mean, it makes no sense. I, yeah, I think there's something about being present, and so again, it, it leads to connection. I think to connect with others, you need to connect with yourself first. Yep. Um, and, and and there's there's something in that. And I think the the rate of change is is um, such that most people can't keep up and feel inferior. I know. Um, we met at Metal, which I've talked about on this program a million times. It's, it's 2,000 of the cleverest people in America. And you can be uh, – I was walking out with um, a fellow that um, is a member and been a member for a long time who created Atari and um, was Steve, Steve Jobs' mentor for, you know, 30 years. And he was saying that sometimes he walks out of Metal feeling like an idiot, you know, <laughs> because it's just – this volume of high intensity in some information that you sit there and go, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, you know, you know, Ken, the, the founder, yeah. uh, uh, you know, far better than I, but he's an amazing guy. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a pretty special place. I went in there yesterday, actually. Uh, sorry, Saturday, two days ago, yeah. again, and uh, you know, just to listen to the, 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 yeah, like you say, there are people on there who talk, and I just listen and I try, and I'd love to understand it all, but I don't. <laughs> Me too. And, uh, but one thing that I'm really happy about is that you know I got the opportunity to speak two weeks ago, and on a very simple subject, which is what we're talking about, yeah. just pursuing happiness and, and helping others, and um, that resonates with everyone. Oh, you, and, you uh, killed them, mate! You absolutely brained them. And trust me, I've been there about six years and we have seen every great speaker on the planet and you're right up there with them. Oh, mate, that's really nice of you to say. Thanks. Thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, you can learn more about Sebastian and all the great stuff he's doing at 100, in numerals, things.com.au so that's 100 numerals 100 things.com.au and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice American Business Network after this short break (music) 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on the Voice America Business Channel. The number one, And this is the number one global radio show for, for entrepreneurs and all people in business. And this week we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where entertainment meets technology. Before we go any further, as this is the last Bob Pritchard radio show program before Christmas, I'd like to wish everyone, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, a great holiday period with your family and friends. Hope you really enjoy yourselves. Drink enough to be happy, but don't drink enough to impair yourself. Or if you do, make sure you call an Uber or a Lyft. And I think that 2018 is going to be an absolutely brilliant year for business. So get some rest over the holidays and prepare yourself for a very exciting 12 months ahead. In many cities around the world, Airbnb has caused the number of unlicensed hotel rooms, for want of a better word, to skyrocket, causing property prices to um, go up dramatically, forcing many people out of the city and reducing the level of occupancy of hotels. And many cities have vowed to put controls on the global home sharing company. However, another scandal could soon be rattling Airbnb, or at least the renters. The next time you stay in an Airbnb apartment, you might have to check for hidden webcams. A couple staying in an Airbnb apartment in Florida noticed there was something not quite right with the smoke detector on the wall of their apartment. Closer examination revealed a small black hole, and behind that hole was a camera that was recording HD video. Now, the owner's explanation is even creepier than that. The owner was charged with one count of video voyeurism, and he said that the cameras were used to record wild sex parties that he hosted, and everybody knew they were being recorded. So not only do you have to worry about being spied on at Airbnb apartments, you also have to worry about whether or not the host held an orgy in the room the night before you arrived. Now, the owner claimed to switch the cameras off every time he had Airbnb guests, but when the renter examined the black hole, he discovered that the camera was, in fact, recording. The camera had recorded him walking around the apartment naked. Now, this is by no means an isolated incident that's popping up all over the place. A recent tweet showed a user finding an IP camera hidden in a motion detector. Again, the small black hole gave it away. 
Another person thought it odd that there was a single motion detector in his Airbnb in the bedroom and found that it was an IP camera connected to the web. Of course, Airbnb prohibits spying on guests, but in reality, with cameras being so small and easy to hide and millions of Airbnb properties all over the world, it's a very difficult rule to enforce. This means it's up to you, the renter, to protect yourself. So how do you protect yourself against a hidden webcam? A camera needs to be in line of sight if it's to record you, which means you'll be able to see it if it can see you. So you should visually inspect vents for holes or gaps. Also, a camera lens will reflect light. So if you're suspicious, turn off the lights and shine a flashlight on the suspicious area. If there's a lens there, it'll reflect the light. If you do find a camera secretly recording, you should contact the police immediately. Did you see that President Trump has an Airbnb to rent? It's a luxury five-bedroom, seven-bathroom condo conveniently located just off Red Square. You can't miss it, right opposite the Kremlin. For years, bots have been scamming consumers by buying up large amounts of tickets to concerts and plays and reselling them for inflated prices. Now these bots have moved on to toys. So they move in, buy the toys, leaving rate retailers like Toys R Us, Walmart and Target without stock. So this year, Fingerlings, for example, Teletubby monkeys are being sold by third parties for up to $1,000. The original retail price was $14.99. There's a whole bunch of those examples. So um, the bill by Chuck Schumer to include toys in the Better Online Ticket Sales Act is much needed and I hope that he pushes it through but it doesn't seem to have done much for concert ticket prices. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than it is to aim for the gutter and succeed. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how amazing it is not to be normal. So I hope you have a sensational week and a great Christmas. And I hope you've enjoyed your Hanukkah so far or you're looking forward to Kwanzaa. And I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I will again be broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. It'll be the day after Christmas. So despite your hangovers, I hope you still listen. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.